Good evening, ladies. My name is Greg, and I live near Raleigh, North Carolina. I really do enjoy the program. I uh, heard you asking on the most recent episode why the uh, Kryptonian uh, item, the Kryptonian thing, would be called Medusa, when Medusa would seem to be more earthbound. Well, let's say that there's a similar legend on Krypton that has some creature similar to Medusa that has a different Kryptonian name, and that's simply the way that it was translated. That Kryptonian name of that Kryptonian mythological creature was translated into Medusa because it was fairly similar to the Medusa creature in my mythology. Just a thought. Thought you might enjoy it. Thanks a lot, y'all. Love the show. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, these three carbon forms are going to discuss the season two episode of the show titled Supergirl Lives. But first, let's get to the news. The CW has announced that the two-part musical crossover between Supergirl and The Flash will air Monday, March 20th and Tuesday, March 21st. The crossover will start at the end of Supergirl, saving most of the musical action for The Flash's portion of the event, which is appropriately titled Duet. In other musical crossover news, Darren Chris has been cast as the music meister. Uh, Andrew Kreisberg told TV Line, We have been blown away by his talent over the years. We can't wait to see what he brings to the music meister. Uh, with our Flash and our Supergirl being Glum alums, ah, with our Flash and our Supergirl being Glee alums, not Glum alums, <laughs> how could we not have them go up against uh, Glee favorites like Darren Chris? Yeah, I think a Glum would be a different sort of crossover, I think. That would <laughs> probably less singing. <laughs> well, no, maybe there would be singing, but it would be more like melancholy ballads of singing. Or harmonicas, I think. Yes. Glum. <laughs> yeah. So what does everybody think about this? Are are we excited about the crossover event now that we've gotten casting for the music maestro and we we actually have dates? I'm excited because we have dates for the airing of the episode so that we can plan things. But, uh, Carly, what are your thoughts on this? It is very exciting. Um, it sounds like it's going to be kind of the same as the four show crossover was where the actual plot kicks off at the end of Supergirl. So people that are tuning in, <laughs> don't get don't get all upset when nothing happened. No singing happens until the last <laughs> five seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, what it sounds like. Yeah, but. I'm excited, um, and it's kind of funny because apparently our our Earth Two friends or wherever they're from on the Flash podcast actually 
uh, tossed around Darren Chris as a as a casting idea for the Music Meister. I think it was Brittany. Uh, so I think so. I think so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Congrats. You ha- called it. Hashtag nailed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they're actually, well, they do have some earth to folks on the Flash, but I think in terms of like Barry and all of his crew, I think they're Earth One, Earth Prime, I think is what they are. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's that's very awesome. We have uh, dates for how, now we don't have dates on exactly how we're going to pull off this podcasting cross everything that is T- <laughs> TBD. Uh, but we'll we'll, so we'll have to start planning that, I guess, you know, a, a month and a half in advance uh, to, to get ready for that. I'm not sure if there there will probably be some singing maybe on the podcast. Well, that's still yet to be determined, but it's it's up in the air. Um, Morgan, what are your thoughts on this crossover news? I'm really excited. I, I did laugh a little bit when I saw that it was going to air quotes start in Supergirl and I was like it's going to be the same thing where people like watch the whole episode and they're like great episode of Supergirl but where's the crossover though <laughs> like I feel like it's going to be like in the last 15 seconds like the flash will just show up and start singing and then it'll be like cut to, like smash cut to black <laughs> <laughs> yeah well at least everyone knows now we have a heads up this is what to expect we now have been prepared for that and um, I should also mention that the CW also confirmed that Grant Gustin, Melissa Benoist, uh, Jesse L. Martin, Victor Garber, uh, Carlos Valdez, Jeremy Jordan, and John Barrowman, all of those folks will be actually singing in the episode. Um, and we know that David Harewood and Chris Wood will be appearing in duets, but it doesn't sound like they're going to be singing. So the only folks that will be singing in the episode are uh, Barry Allen, Car Danvers, We've got some uh, Joe West and uh, some Dr. Stein. And why am I blanking on Carlos Valdez's character? Cisco. Cisco. (laughs) My brain is fried. Um, And when, and all of a sudden, randomly, John Behrman is in the mix here. (laughs) Random Malcolm Merlin. (laughs) Um, So I think this is, to me, in my personal opinion, I think this is just one of those we really want to include John Barrowman in this <laughs> and somehow they found a way to get him uh, in. So I assume maybe this is going to be one of those things where Kara goes to Earth Prime because I yeah. don't I don't see all of them coming to Earth 38 to hang out with the Supergirl crew. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how they all get together. But that would be my guess. I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts about that. Yeah, it sounds like it, especially since it looks like the only person from the Supergirl cast who's singing besides Melissa is Jeremy Jordan, which if you don't know, that boy can't sing. Yeah. <laughs> these, these are some all-star uh, performers. So uh, I, I think the uh, crossover, it sounds, sounds very good. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news. So let's go ahead and get into our discussion of the season two episode of Supergirl titled Supergirl Lives. And here is the official description, which is very long. So hang tight. Quote, Kara is moved by the story of a missing woman named Izzy, guest star Harley Quinn Smith, and decides to investigate despite Snapper Carr's order to leave it alone. Kara takes Monel with her to the last place Izzy was seen, and the duo find themselves thrust through a portal to another planet, Slaver's Moon, where the downtrodden are sold as slaves. 
The leader of the trafficking ring is none other than Roulette, guest star Deachin Lockman. To make matters worse, Slaver's Moon has a red sun, which means Kara and Monel are stripped of their powers and stuck on the planet with no way home. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Alex blames herself for Kara's disappearance, fearing she's become too focused on her new relationship with Maggie and too complacent in watching out for her sister, unquote. Uh, so this was uh, a, a great episode to get to visit another place, another location that we've never been to before on Supergirl. So what did everybody think about Supergirl and Monel's sort of accidental trip to Slaver's Moon? Carly, what did you think about that part of the episode? Slaver's Moon looked cool. I liked I liked the red sun. I thought that was really interesting. And the way even the way that like they lit uh, scenes like you could see I mean I mean it, it was clear that some of it was like computer generated but then the shots of the planet itself were pretty sweet I mean I wasn't super psyched that Mono had to tang along because <laughs> literally he literally does not listen to Kara like he's basically um, she basically says go back and tell the DEO what's happened have you know Alex come with backup and he's like Nope. I'm just gonna, <laughs> he, he, just, he just like hops through the portal. He completely disregards. And I mean, it, it turns out to be for the best because, you know, she doesn't have her powers or anything, but it's like, come on, Monel. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like when I tell my dog to like sit and stay and then turn my back and then like I turn around and he's like right next to me. <laughs> Monel, sit, stay. <laughs> Yeah, he was a little stubborn. At one point, Monel tells Kara, he's like, "Well, I'll I'll come with you," and she goes, ah, "I don't think so." <laughs> that that some of that stuff really made me laugh because Kara was not cool with him coming along because he had shirked his responsibilities at the unnamed alien bar, which he <laughs> decided he was going to take off the set his second day of work. He was just going to take <laughs> it off, which I thought was either the dumbest thing he could have possibly done or the gutsiest. I couldn't determine. Uh, but uh, Morgan, what are your thoughts on <laughs> Monel uh, coming with Kara to Slaver's Moon? Well, I was laughing uh, about him ditching out on work on his first day because this is, first of all, very much like a pattern for him because he worked at Cat Co. for like one second. <laughs> uh, to, uh, although, to be fair, I blame Kara a little bit for that. Like, maybe you shouldn't get somebody a job until they know what a telephone is and what it does. <laughs> she was like, you'll fit in on the human race. And he was like, what are these magical ringing creatures? <laughs> like, I think you missed a step, <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it made me laugh so hard when he, um, just popped out of work. He's like, Oh, whatever. That's just like my second day. It's cool. I mean, I guess they're not really going to miss him that much. He didn't even know how to make a drink. That's true. That's <laughs> he didn't even know what a club soda was. Come on. Which <laughs> they don't really miss him that much. Let's be honest. I'm I'm not a I'm not a drinker, so I'm not as familiar with some of these drinks. And I, I don't I I maybe have tried club soda before, but club soda is not something like you have to mix or anything, is it? Like it couldn't be that hard. No, it's literally do. just like it's like the equivalent of like seltzer water. It's like there's no there's yeah, pretty no, much yeah, it's pretty it's much like, just seltzer water. So how there's can no, how can he goof that up? That's I mean that sounds pretty exactly easy. yeah. That's my point. 
I feel like once again he he took this job without really understanding the fundamentals of it. <laughs> like what is alcohol and how do you serve it to people? You know, just like bar 101. <laughs> It was funny though. Last night, I was as as I was watching the episode, I was tweeting, and I said that he must have gone to the uh, the Emily Fields school of like having a job because the, the character on Pretty Little Liars um, always like has a job for like one day and then is just like like leaving in the middle of her shift or just like wandering off to go talk to somebody, and you're like, aren't you working? Like Monel's track record is not very good. <laughs> well, in defense of Monel, he should have had someone like a superior or a manager training him how to be a bartender. Maybe they ha- should have had a bartender school for him to learn how to mix those drinks, and especially because they're they're like alien drinks. I mean, there's got to be some sort of learning curve there. But someone didn't teach him anything, and obviously, he thought his only qualifications were, "I've been in this building." And I've had some of these drinks, so therefore I can be a bartender, <laughs> which I don't know how that works. I mean, I don't know if they have to submit a resume to the unnamed alien bar with with, with special skills and qualifications. But uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it was very easy for him to get that job. I thought he was. He said it was because they were short staffed because of the Medusa. He was like because of the incident. Right. Which I'm assuming is referring to the Medusa virus. I think that's right. There was like... <laughs> they were desperate. surprise me if... Was, yes, yeah, was there was literally no one. <laughs> it's like everyone died in here, so like we don't have bartenders. So maybe that's why he has no manager. He has no supervisor. Yeah, that's okay. what I think. They were like, we need anybody, someone, anyone. And they didn't really care that he didn't know what a club soda was. Okay, that makes more sense. There was no supervisor because R.I.P. Uh, unnamed bar alien supervisor uh, went with the uh, the incident. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, so what did everybody think about? Um, so we got to meet a new character that I think we all sort of gravitated towards. <laughs> um, we met a new a- alien named Joe. Uh, we got introduced to Joe on Slaver's Moon. So what did everybody think of Joe? Uh, Carly, what what are your thoughts? Joe, didn't they say, I just liked his, his way of talking where he, like he knew English, but he didn't really know how to speak in full sentences. And he, and he was and like the scene where he's first, uh, catches, uh, Monel and Kara and he's talking to them. He's like, Oh yeah, I had, I had a human once and your tongue is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Gross little pink thing. And I was like, Oh, he's kind of nasty. <laughs> but he was very endearing, and I liked that he eventually came back through the portal. I was like, that's very exciting. He's, like, off a terrible planet now. Although maybe ours isn't that much better. But <laughs> Yeah, he, he thinks it's a little smelly for yeah. for his taste. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that means maybe you won't get to see him again. Um, I don't know if he'll if he'll run into Brian somewhere along the way, but uh, but it does seem like you know there's possibility that we might get to see him again. I am oh, currently Brian. pitching the CW a show called Joe and Brian exclamation point, and it's just <laughs> like the wacky adventures they get into. It could be like the Odd Couple, but they're both aliens. So who's the Oscar and who's the Felix? Which one? I which feel- one is the more like straight laced, and which one is the goofier one? <laughs> 
I think Joe is the goofy one. Yeah, Joe's the goofy one. I feel like Brian is and the more Brian straight-laced is, one. Yeah. Because he always comes, like, he always comes correct. He's always got his little suit on. See, I almost think it should be flipped. Because Joe was very particular. You know, he, he cooked dinner. He was, uh, you know, very big on things are smelly and, you know, <laughs> things are weird. And I think, I think Joe would be the one who would want to wash his hands a lot. You know what I mean? And uh, Brian and Brian is kind of like, you know, just out there getting into some trouble. I have an important question about Joe. What Hogwarts house do we think he would go in? <laughs> That's very important. Um, Car- Carly, what would you uh, what would you say to that? I think he's a Hufflepuff because he likes food. Mm. And he's particular about smells and like food related things. OK. All right. Morgan, what are your thoughts? You know what? Carly convinced me. I think he's a Hufflepuff, too. <laughs> Yeah, I think Hufflepuff might be the only place for him. I don't think he's. I don't. No, I don't think he's anything else. Maybe a little bit Gryffindor because he helped Supergirl. He did. He did. He shed some bravery. And he. And he was helpful. Yeah, he was helpful to Monel and Kara and and Supergirl. He he helped them get to the (laughs) the murder castle, Um, and (laughs) and he did sort of uh, protect them at the end. So he he did show some bravery. But I, I don't think he has the wit or the wisdom or the intelligence for Ravenclaw. I don't think he's like an ambitious leader like Slytherin. So I think he's he maybe is a, a Hufflepuff Gryffindor. Uh, what is that? A, a, a Gryffindor? Like a like, like Gryffindor. a like a mix. So um, yeah. All right. Thank you, Morgan. That was a very important <laughs> question. I'm glad we cleared the air and determined and we sorted him. It's official. I feel like the people wanted to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone was like waiting on pins and needles for us to sort him. Great question. <laughs> so we also got to see a new character who was on the evil side of things. We got to meet this creepy doctor who was working with Roulette. So what did everybody think about seeing Roulette again? Um, Carly, what are your thoughts? I love Roulette. She's so slinky. <laughs> I don't know why, but I didn't notice her tattoo the first time. And then when she came out, I was like, that's cool. And it was like her whole, I, I, I mean, I know that it's like obviously a fake applied one that they put on Dijon Lockman, but I was like, dang, that's like her whole body. Yeah. Super cool. It's a very significant like, tattoo. Is it the, and is the red dress the same red dress that she's still wearing it or is it different? It might be a different <laughs> cut maybe. Maybe she just has, like, a whole closet. Like, you open it up, it's all that red dress. Well, maybe it's, like, the same dress, but different, slightly different styles. That's what I would guess. Maybe, but I, I It's don't hard know. to say. Yeah. I don't remember. Well, I can't we'll, really. We'll have to compare. But I, she's great. My only complaint was that it seemed like we only just saw her, and then she was, you know, trapped behind the barrier. I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're saying bye for now again. <laughs> yeah, she but was, she was overpowered pretty quickly. Yeah, but she she lives to fight another day, so we'll mm-hmm, see. Mm-hmm. Morgan, what were your thoughts on seeing a roulette again? Oh, I was so excited to see her again. I think she's such a good villain, and I love the actress so much. She's got like such a like a menacing presence when she's like like just kind of like she's very cat like. I feel like she's like walks in. And she always just seems to kind of, like, appear. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if I was, like, 100% clear on, like, how she got there or what her, you know, her plan was for 
that area, like Slaver's Moon, but I didn't really care. I was just so excited to see Roulette on that on that planet. And I was I was a little I was a little disappointed in um the the like sort of the evil doctor character because uh I like that actor uh whose name I'm going to blank on. Um James but, Urbaniak. Yes, James Urbaniak. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. He's very funny. I uh I mostly know him from um the show on Comedy Central Review, which is really, really funny. And I feel like he was just kind of he could have that character could have kind of been played by everybody like anybody and then they they shot him at the end so i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny that you mentioned that you've seen him on things but for me <laughs> i i mostly know him by his voice because he actually plays a doctor on the venture brothers animated tv series he plays dr venture so i thought it was really funny that he came on and played a doctor on the show. And I also know him. I think he does some stuff for the Thrilling Adventure Hour. So that's also another audio program that I know him from. So I'm very familiar with his voice, but not so much. Like, I didn't recognize him at first when I saw him. But then I heard his voice and I was like, oh, that's a very familiar voice. It was weird. Like, I didn't make the connection by his visual appearance. But uh, I was glad to actually see him now that I've heard his voice so much. Um, but yeah, I, I was a little sad that he, he went away. I, I can always do more with creepy doctors. I, I thought he did a good, uh, he, he had a really good performance in this episode. And I think for roulette, you were, you were talking about her motives and why she was doing what she was doing. She sort of talks about that. She says that after Supergirl sort of shut her club down, she had to find another gig. And so one of her, uh, competitors in the fight club told her about this opportunity and sort of like passed it along and said hey you want to make some money go get involved in the slave trade at, on slaver's moon so she goes over there and she makes all this money with her fancy slinky bracelets um and then she gets locked in a room <laughs> okay so that makes that makes a lot more sense to me i think i must have like missed that a little bit of that part of the explanation maybe i was just uh so caught up thinking about like Joe and Brian and the, their their TV show together. <laughs> that's that's easy to do because I find that when I live tweet stuff, I am so focused on trying to just put out some tweets and I usually put them out with like typos and everything. It's terrible. And I I miss <laughs> like I don't know, 70% of the episode, I go back and watch it the second time and I'm like, "Oh, like I, I saw y'all tweeting about the about how the alien's name was Joe and I was like, wait, he got a name? Like, I totally missed that. And so I had to go back and like, oh, yeah, he clearly did say what his name was. So, uh, yeah, no, it that happens. That totally happens. And um, since we, the whole kind of story about going to Slaver's Moon revolved around Kara investigating a story of this missing person, um, does anybody have any thoughts on uh, Izzy with Harley Quinn Smith's appearance and uh, and also how she went about going about getting this story. Um, Carly, what are your thoughts? The only thing that was confusing to me at first was I was like, why would the mom go to snap her car to like, it, like, especially if she was like, well, the police said she's a runaway. And then um, snap her car is like, well, has she run away before? And the mom doesn't answer but looks very guilty like the sound it sounds like to me like izzy was kind of a rebellious young woman 
And this wasn't the first time that she, you know, and then, then the mom tries to justify it by saying, oh, well, it was my birthday the other day. She would have she would have called if it was my birthday, you know, like it seemed like the whole setup was kind of weird and didn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, not that Supergirl needs like a, a huge reason to go try to like save somebody. And I think at that point she was kind of desperate. Like she was, we see her talking to Alex at the beginning, like, oh, I feel like everything's just gotten too easy. And I'm just, you know, I'm just uh, capturing like jewel thieves and, you know, I'm not really saving people anymore. So I think she was trying to get back to that. But I, I felt like the whole setup to her getting her mission was a little weird. Now that you mention that, it that is weird. Does Snapper like have advertisements that say, hey, if the police aren't helping you, come find me and like has billboards and stuff <laughs> like with his number on him. When, even when Carl's like, we'll find, you know, we'll find your daughter. And then after snappers, like, we're, we're not going to do it. Like it was weird. Uh, I don't know. It seemed like the whole thing was, it was just kind of an awkward setup. Cause I was like, I mean, not like, not like Carl really needs a, a huge reason to do it. Yeah. that I, I could see how that might be a little clunky. Um, Morgan, what were your thoughts on uh, seeing Sapper Cargan and uh, the performance by Harley Quinn Smith? Yeah, I agree. I agree a lot with uh, what with what Carly said. My my first thought during that scene was like, why are you why are you going to him? Why aren't you going to the police? But then she does explain that like the police said she was just a runaway. But even so, it seemed a little bit thin especially when car was like yes we're gonna don't worry we're gonna find your daughter it's like you're not a private investigator like <laughs> there as far as you know it's just this girl who ran away there doesn't seem to be anything nefarious about it so you don't even know if it's a kidnapping i felt i felt for for snapper car in that moment where he was like oh my god this girl <laughs> um, unfortunately i would have i would have felt more for him if he had snapped at her i oh, think yes. still we're, uh, I'm not sure what day we are on Snapwatch, but <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a Snapwatch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to. Now that you mention it, I think we need like a sound effect for every Snapwatch 2017. Yeah. <laughs> like one of those like big like shoom like on the on like the CNN when there's like a breaking news, it'll be like Snapwatch. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to create a sound effect so that every time. We encounter Snapper. We're gonna have to have Snapwatch, so um, we'll we'll definitely put that put that together for the next episode. But yeah, that would have been an excellent time for him to snap. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm gonna snap a little bit since we don't have any snaps. Um, that's it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I um I liked seeing Snapper again. It was nice to see Kara do some investigating, and I do like Carly said. I do like that she. Even though sometimes I'm, like, a little bothered with Supergirl. I'm like, yeah, you stopped some jewel thieves. That's a good thing. Why are you so, like, down in the dumps about it? So I, But, you know, I mean, for her, I think she's so connected to people that she, she wants to be, be able to help people and not just stop bad guys. So I sort of get that. But uh, I, I liked seeing her go after something and actually write the story you know, instead of just neglecting it like the Pelicans. So at, le <laughs> at least she went after the story. She helped some people. She was compassionate to some other uh, 
other folks who were in trouble, and she got the, the job done, and she saved the day. And um, I thought, you know, Harley Quinn Smith did a pretty good job. I, I don't know her whole filmography, but I know she's done a couple of things for her dad. And so I thought it was actually cool that he brought her in. I know directors have some say in who they want to cast. So I thought it was neat that he, he brought her in to have, you know, a little part in his episode. And, and it was a good fit for her, I thought, that she played this sort of uh, runaway teen who had problems with her mother. And I was glad to see that at the end of the episode, the, the whole ordeal brought them together again. So I, I, I thought the closure to that was very good. Um, and in terms of Snapper, just to go back to him, because I totally forgot to mention it, I liked that Kara sort of broke through his tough exterior. Um, he was sort of ranting and raving at the beginning of the episode because he didn't have his coffee and his Danish and he didn't have the five minutes to himself. And then at the end of the episode, when she showed some initiative, he was like, out of Danvers, you know, out of girl Danvers. So, um, I I was glad to see that she's starting to win him over a little bit. For the record, why is Kara submitting an 8,000 word draft? That's like a novel. I know. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm so happy saying, you pointed that out. I I'm forgot saying, about that. On average, like, my the stuff that I write, I mean, I never break 2,000 words, just to give a little perspective. So the fact that she's submitting an 8,000-word draft on the Slaver's Moon thing, I, like, I couldn't get over it. I'm like, how did... How do these writers not understand how journalism works? It would have been great if she was like, here it is. And then she just like, just the whole stack of papers, like she drops on his desk. Oh, it kills me. And then, and then the other thing I was thinking to myself was the jewel, the jewel thieves. She was complaining about them, but I was like, Cara, they had missiles. Why did the jewel thieves have missiles? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Cara, you might be overlooking her. some stuff. Shooting at her with a rocket launcher. And I was like, these are some really intense jewel thieves. That's hardcore. Because if you think about it, like Catwoman is a jewel thief. Now, right. she, now she uses a whip sometimes, but she doesn't shoot people with a missile. That maybe the artillery. Come on. Yeah, maybe, anyway. maybe the Joker does, but Catwoman wouldn't. Yeah, that's I totally didn't even think about that. That something something was up with those jewel thieves. I don't think they were just stealing jewels. I think there was something else they were stealing. Um, but yeah, but I also thought the jewel thieves were really stupid. Like, do these people in National City, like, how close are they to Metropolis? Do they not have any, I mean, Supergirl's been around for a little while, and they know that she's connected to Superman. Do people not know that, like, Kryptonians are pretty much invincible? Right, and, like, it's not going to stop her. They, they shoot her with the missile, and they're like, yeah, we got her. And then literally two <laughs> seconds later, I'm like, you guys are so dumb. <laughs> I mean, criminals are not the smartest people in the world, but I don't know. I, I thought that was really strange. Like, you really thought that was going to work? Maybe they were just trying to get her to slow down. I don't know. But I thought that they they were not the smartest. But maybe they were. Maybe they knew something that we don't know, that they've done something else besides steal some jewels. Um, that's a, that's an excellent point. Um, I, I'm going to be thinking about that some more. Um, but, yeah, with Kara and the reporting stuff, I've been really confused about the way CatCo operates. And this is such a nitpick <laughs> because I would think that if CatCo was, like, a really with-it company and, like, progressive with the times and technology and everything why are they handing because Cara and James 
both handed Snapper a big folder of papers, like a hard copy of their report. And I was like, do y'all not email those? Do you not send a PDF? Do you not use Google Docs? You should use Google Docs. Um, I I would highly (laughs) recommend them. Um, They don't email. They don't use a thumb drive. They, like, actually print out the 8,000-word report and hand it Could in. you imagine how how many Google Doc pages her eight thousand oh word story would be? I would be, be like, all over it would this. be longer than the Google Doc we had on Snapper Car. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, probably. Pro- I don't know. It's it's pretty close. That would be that would be a tight <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, my my brother is a former magazine publisher, and I was asking him some questions about this, and he was saying that even nowadays when he works with some people he doesn't do magazine publishing anymore but he 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 does some like marketing stuff and he says that sometimes they'll print things out so that like everyone can mark it up so it goes to all sorts of people that need to to verify things or check something and so they everybody will mark it up on the same page i don't know why you can't just do that in a google doc you probably could Uh, but maybe some people like to see the actual like you know if you're using a red marker or a pen or something maybe you like to see that maybe snapper's old school yeah maybe he maybe he is old school i just kind of like you can't use like a dropbox or an email like and (laughs) and maybe it's also because like visually on a tv show it's not as impressive to be like Oh, I sent you an email. Like <laughs> I dropboxed my draft to you. you know, maybe they need something to visually show that they're handing in their report. So I guess I can see that. But sometimes, some you know, I kind of wish uh, they would show Catco like media savvy. I mean, some media company. I feel like they should um, be talking about the future. To, you know, the technologies of the future. So I just, I just, I, I'm worried about Catco. I don't want them to go under from being behind the times. I want them to be the leaders in media. So I have all sorts of questions. And then there was the question of why James was handing in a report in the first place. Oh, yeah. isn't Because isn't he Kat's replacement? So why is he... Why is he even why writing is a story? writing things? It was weird. It was a weird... Like, yeah. I haven't... I tweeted about it, too, because I was like, I don't understand... I don't, I don't buy the journalistic integrity of Carr writing about Supergirl and... James writing about Guardian. I'm like, you can't quote yourself as an objective source in your article. Like, and, and if it's supposed to be a news article and not an opinion piece, you can't quote your secret identity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's I, my biggest, that was my read, biggest complaint. I would love to read James's Guardian piece because I feel like Kara is maybe more restrained about it, but James is probably like Guardian's so great. I love Guardian. He's handsome. Exactly. It's, it's like <laughs> like uh, nearby uh, nearby bystander said that Guardian was the coolest superhero they've <laughs> ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I think James would probably fluff Guardian up a little bit because uh, he 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 really wants Guardian to be something. And Kara, I thought it was really funny. She was like, you're still on Team Guardian? That's that's weird. I don't understand that. So I was like, I'm, I know the feeling. I don't understand it either, Kara. Um, <laughs> so uh, so uh, James is really trying to prove himself uh, with this whole thing. And so it's definitely a, a thing that Kara still doesn't know that James is Guardian. So that's still there. We still have that reveal coming. And I guess since we're talking about Guardian, I, I think we should talk about when. And his experiences in this episode. Because I thought this was a really good episode for Jeremy Jordan. Um, so, Carly, what did you think about when in this episode? 
I like that he finally kind of stood up to James a little bit. He was like, dude, like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I feel like a lot of it, I, I, I tweeted at one point last night, it wasn't really addressed in the episode, but I almost feel his behavior almost to me felt like a little bit like PTSD over, you know, having a gun in his face, which I feel is, I mean, that to me feels very uh, true to life. I mean, and then you see him like not wanting to go through the portal later. And he, then he tells Alex and he's like freaking out. And I'm like this, I feel like he's having a little like post-traumatic stress, you know, situation here. So I liked his performance because it, 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 it had all the markers of it, but they, they didn't really address it. And then at the end, so I don't know if we're going to get any kind of further like building on it at all. You know, because I mean, he's a he's a normal guy. Like he's not he's not really vigilante uh, material. So I like that they kind of had a little bit of like a repercussion for James's actions as guardian. Because I mean, it was it was a little bit. You know, he roped went into helping him a little bit, and then and then it got it got kind of got kind of brutal. So I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out moving forward. And I wonder, too, if now Kara is going to start to catch on to what's happening. Yeah, I wish that they would have maybe drawn that out a little bit of when having to figure out how to be in the field. But I sort of think maybe they're over that now by the end of the episode because overly confident Wynn came to <laughs> James's office there at the end and was like, Agent shot, he protects the stars. Like, he was very proud of himself, which he should have been. I think that was something, uh, you know, he overcame a fear. He overcame that PTSD. So I I think this, unfortunately, may have just been one episode. Um, But I I do think that he ended up conquering whatever that fear was, whether it would be fear of death or fear of going out in the field and and being beaten up, whatever it was. I I think maybe he's past that now. Um, Morgan, what did you think about when? I did like the they sort of dealt with some of the repercussions of the whole guardian storyline. And, and I definitely did get those kind of like P, uh, PTSD vibes from him when, especially when he's on the planet and uh, they, the alien has the gun in his face and it's like the exact same scenario as the beginning of the episode. But this time he like overcomes it and he like fights his way out. I, I, I like, I like the end of the episode when he like goes to like James and he's like, you know, basically being his own hype man he's so excited (laughs) i really like their relation like their friendship that's sort of grown over the course of this season i still don't care about guardian um but it could just all be james and win hanging out like they could just get rid of the guardian aspect of the storyline and it could just be james and win hanging out and i would be more fine with it i feel (laughs) like than than having to deal with the guardian stuff yeah, I like their dynamic. I, I am still struggling with the Guardian thing because Guardian, I think he, he might have had like half an episode where he struggled. But now Guardian's like this, you know, awesome hero in the streets and he's beating everybody up. And now the shield is genuinely awesome. I think the shield is pretty cool. But I, I do still some sometimes struggle with the fact that like he's he's a superhero really quickly and he's he's he has no learning curve like he he just was awesome he was an a plus superhero right out of the gate and with win what i liked about him is that he had a 
a progression. He had something he had to develop into. He had to develop into being overly confident when. So um, I, I'm, I'm with you, Morgan. Like, I really like their dynamic and their relationship as, as friends and as uh, co-vigilantes, I guess. Um, they, they have a fun dynamic with, with them teaming up at night on the streets. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, Guardian, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to be open-minded about it. We'll, it, may, it may get better. It, it, I'm, I'm hoping that it will, get, it will get better for me when there's that uh, tension between him and Supergirl. I think that's going to explode at some point because Supergirl has already, you know, encountered Guardian in the streets. And she's kind of frustrated that he keeps showing up and he keeps kind of taking some of her credit away a little bit. So um, I, I think when they actually do come to blows with the secret coming out, I think that's when that will probably start to get really interesting for me. Um, and I think the only thing that we haven't talked about yet is the developing romantic relationship between Alex and Maggie. Morgan, what did you think about that? I, yeah, I loved, I love their relationship in this, <clears throat> in this episode so much. Um, I, I like that they, they've, they have like a, a real sense of humor about them, even in like really serious circumstances. Like um, at the end of the episode, after Alex sort of blows up on Maggie because she's blaming herself for not taking enough, uh, like good enough ca- care of Kara. And she's like going through this whole thing where it's like, I, you know, I took my eye off the ball and then Supergirl got her. And, and Maggie's like, I know because Supergirl's your sister. And Alex is like, what? And she's like, the glasses aren't helping the situation <laughs> and then like, they, they take a break from their fight to be like yeah no i've been telling her that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was cool to see the detective figure it out uh, almost right away i mean it took a couple episodes um carly what did you think about how they've developed uh, in this episode yeah i did like that maggie already knew that carl was supergirl and so it makes me wonder how long she's kind of known on the down low and just didn't say anything um and, and it also made me go like, of course, cat knows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. The only thing I didn't like was it seemed I don't really like that the show is writing Alex with this much uncertainty. Like I, I, I we kind of saw her a little bit when she was coming out. You know, she was kind of um, she was she did, was unsure and like if she wanted to start a relationship if she was even ready to say you know to come out officially and so it seemed like we already kind of had that and to for them to like be in a relationship to the point where they're having sleepover time and like you know like making each other late for work and then and then it's just weird like the whole and then for her to like be like oh I can't do this the second that car goes missing just seemed a little weird like I don't know why she wouldn't want to just lean on Maggie for support or use her or something. I, it just, for me, it was like, it made me sad because I was like, why is, why are they writing Alex? Like, so just, just unsure about like her own happiness. And I'm like, I just want her to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's my only nitpick was like, it just, just to have, it seemed like they were they were trying to find something to like put a wrench into the relationship for no reason, especially if they were going to make up by the end anyway. So I don't know. That was my only little quibble was it it was it just seemed like a weird reason. Well, I sort of understood that because in thinking of 
how Alex has had to watch out for Kara, like, their whole lives. And how she put her personal life, Alex put her personal life and what she wanted sort of on the back burner so that she could always be there for Kara. And so now this one time that she is letting herself be happy and letting herself focus on herself, and then something bad happens to Kara. And so I think that was, it it sort of sent her back into that place where she had always been there for Kara and then she wasn't. And so I sort of, I sort of understand that because, you know, everything with Maggie is new and she is focused on that. And, and she, she didn't drop the ball because Kara Supergirl's done everything that she's always done. Like she's always gone after trouble. She's always tried to save people. And no matter what Alex does, she's always going to be doing that. So it's not really her fault, but I think in Alex's mind, because she had, she feels that she has that responsibility that was put on her at such a young age, and she's grown up with that, and she's put that on herself that she is, in some ways, Kara's protector. And so I think when something bad happened to Kara, she might have felt like she dropped the ball. And so I sort of understand that, even if it's maybe a little contrived, just to put a little drama between them and their relationship, and and sort of break up their happiness a little bit. I, I, I can buy it. Um, even though part of me is still like, this relationship is going very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. And I know I mention that every time we talk about Alex and Maggie, but I'm just like, it's okay to let some of this draw out. Like, let them have a first <laughs> date. You know, let them, you know, go, go to a movie or go out to dinner or something. Like, all of a sudden, things are really happening. <laughs> so That's where the passage of time in this show feels really confusing. Because it's like, she's, you know, they're, they're, you know, Cara and Alex are talking and Alex is all, you know, kind of in that new relationship giddiness. And she's like, oh, we have a date. Cut to sleepover. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> okay, so it's not, it's not just me. Okay, I, that makes me feel better. Because I, I know a lot of people have been talking about, you know, maybe with... Monel and Kara, like some people think that's forced and, and seems like it's, you know, not organic or whatever. But I'm like, uh, I'm, I don't know, this Maggie Alex thing, it seems like it's really, it's, it's, it's progressed very quickly. So I, I'm, I'm glad that maybe it's not just me. I think the scenes we get of them are really nice and they're very well performed. I just, it's, uh, it's tough for me to buy sometimes that they've gone so far so quickly. It was a surprise to me. I honestly wasn't expecting it. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> well, and in con- uh, contrasting that with Kara and Monel, because we didn't really talk about that so much, because I know that, that that might be a little uh, um, sensitive issue for <clears throat> Supergirl Radio. <laughs> so I didn't want to hit on it too much. But if we were going to uh, contrast the two relationships, the two romantic pairings that have uh, appeared on the show this season... For me, the Cara Monel stuff has at least been building, and I can I can buy that a little more because you get to see, you can, for me, I get to see like every step of their relationship build on the last step, and so I like the way that that has been handled. That it's, you know, they really hate each other at first, and then 
little bit by bit, they kind of win each other over. And I really liked the scene at the end when he goes to see her at her apartment and they sort of share the blanket, which I love that she had the red blanket that sort of mimicked her cape. I thought that was really cool. And I liked that she was uh, watching The Big Sleep because I'm a huge uh, classic film fan, even though I have not admittedly seen The Big Sleep all the way through. I know, shame on me, shame on me. I'll get to it at some point. But um, I like that Cara Danvers is a classic film fan. That makes me happy. And I I liked the scene because they gave each other, you know, unexpected presents. And Cara said that she um, saw something in him that she hadn't seen before, that he was more of a gallant than a goofus. And and he took some responsibility. You know, we, talk, we joked about how he was <laughs> shirking responsibilities at the bar and he just kind of did whatever he wanted to at his jobs but now I think he's really starting to get serious about wanting to do something with his life so I thought that the, that was a nice scene at the end and so I, I sort of buy their relationship a little more than I do Alex and Maggie's just because of the way that they've been writing that relationship so I, I don't know how y'all feel about them <laughs> Carly I hate to ask if you have any thoughts um, but uh, but I would like to hear them if you have some um, uh, <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Now, what is Morgan thing? Well, <laughs> the only no, no, the only thing I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I like, is the fact that he wants to be a superhero now, and I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Why can't he just be the bar? He could just be the bartender at the Alien Bar. I would be okay with that, even <laughs> though he's terrible. Even though he's terrible at making drinks, um, I've been I've been reading some stuff about about their relationship, and one critic I read said it seems that the show the show hasn't really I don't know. It's like ever since they had that weird kiss moment that he pretended to forget, like nothing's really happened. And for me, sometimes it doesn't even seem like Carl likes Monel that much, especially in this episode. Like it seemed like she was kind of fed up with it most of the time. <laughs> so it's hard for me to buy it, honestly, because then they get to see at the end where they're all cute. And I'm like, yeah, but she was yelling at him for like the last 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing it's hard for me. Cause I feel like there's even the show flip flops on whether or not they're going to get together. And also we're learning that, there are people looking for him and I still think he's the space prince. That's my theory. I think you might be right about that theory. And we'll talk about that a little more in the feedback section, but I think you might be right as, as per usual, I think Carly predicts a lot of things on this podcast. So I would not be surprised. Um, Morgan, what are your thoughts about, uh, Cara and Monel and how they've been progressing? I don't mind it as much as Carly does. Um, and, and I thought that this was actually kind of a, a good episode for them, especially because you kind of, you can kind of gauge Car off of Monel. So he, he was kind of learning from her. And so seeing her through, sort of seeing her heroism through his eyes was, I think pretty nice too, because Every time he was like, okay, let's get out of here. And she was like, no, we have to help these people. You can't just give up because something's hard. And he was like, uh, th this is technically supposed to be my second day of work. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> clearly, I already have given up. Um, and, but I do like the way that they've progressed their relationship. Um, as far as them being sort of like the mentor mentee, I don't know that. I mean, I'm not 
completely on board. I'm not completely, like, against it. I just feel like I don't have enough, like, we haven't seen enough of them being maybe romantically interested in each other to, like, really judge on that. But I did think that that scene at the end of the episode where they share the blanket and she gives him the Highlights magazine was adorable. Um, so I like I like their sort of jokey, like, they're very, they seem very comfortable around each other, even when they're sort of, like, getting on each other's nerves. And, and, and I do like that. Yeah, I like that one of the things that I've liked about their relationship is that he is genuinely the only person, because all the Kryptonians are gone that she knew in season one. Astra's gone. Non is lobotomized somewhere. Um, The other Kryptonians that hung out with them, who knows where they are. Um, But she has nobody else who knows what it's like to be her and where she's from. And so I liked when they went to Slaver's Moon and they were talking about some of the same things, you know, some of the places they had, they had both been and, and things that she had remembered from her childhood where her, her parents had taken her on trips and things like that. So I really like that for Kara. I think it's important for her to have someone who knows that part of her life because even even Clark, you know, he he knows what it's like to be a Kryptonian, but he doesn't know anything about what it was like to be a Kryptonian on Krypton. So I I like that she has somebody that she can remember her homeworld and her childhood with, and he knows what she's talking about. So I think that's a cool part of their relationship. And I, I like you said, Morgan, I like that he's starting to learn how to be a superhero by her example. And I think it's cool that the scene that I really liked for Supergirl was that she, you know, she stood in front of all those people, even though she didn't have any powers, and she took uh, the punishment for them, you know, a couple of times, three times, I think. And and I think him seeing her do that gave not only all of those people she was protecting courage, it, it gave him a lesson in how to be brave and how to be a hero. So I really like that for, for all of them um, in that moment. It was a good scene. And, um, since they mentioned Highlights Magazine and Goofus and Gallant, and which one uh, which one was Monel in the beginning and which one was Monel at the end, I was really curious. Um, if if since we did the Sorting Hat episode, we sort of determined <laughs> which Hogwarts house we would be in. Um, I was curious if we had any thoughts about which which one of us would we be? Would we be Goofuses or would we be Gallants? And I I looked up. Um, I was just trying to refresh myself on Highlights Magazine because it's been a while. So I, don't, I don't have a subscription. I don't crack it open all the time. And so I had to go look Goofus and Gallant up. And uh, Wikipedia, the source of all true information, tells me that uh, <laughs> Gallant's actions are always virtuous and respectful. And G- Goofus's actions are always rude and selfish. So those are uh, that's kind of the the basic difference between Goofus and Gallant. Goofus is very rude and selfish, and Gallant is very virtuous and respectful. Um, uh, so I was very curious as to w- which one we all thought we were. <laughs> Carly, do you have do you have a pick? Are you a Goofus or are you a Gallant? I feel like I'm a Goofus. I feel like I think I'm a Gallant, but I'm a Goofus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Morgan, what are your thoughts? I feel like I'm a gallant with Goofus's uh, organizational skills. Oh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it might depend on the day. 
or who I'm interacting with. <laughs> there are some days where I can, if I'm in a bad mood or if I'm not putting up with something and I need to work on this about myself, but sometimes I can be pretty rude or selfish. I, I definitely have those tendencies, but sometimes I do. I feel like I always try to aim to be virtuous and respectful. So I think maybe all of us are a little bit of both. I don't know if if we're all just gallant or if we're all just goofus. I think we may all be um, kind of a mix. And just to throw it out there, I, I, I put up a Twitter poll to ask our listeners and our followers. And um, just in a couple of hours, we had 69 votes and 61% said they were goofuses and 39% said they were gallants. So we had more goofuses than gallants. So I don't know what that says about our listeners and our Twitter followers, <laughs> but I just thought that was a, a funny thing in the episode that, um, the, and it showed progression for Monel's character that he, he was a goofus at the beginning and he showed a little more gallant tendencies. So what, what are, what are everybody's, um, overall thoughts about the episode? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Uh, what did you think, Carly? I liked it. It was a fun return to the show. Mostly I just missed Supergirl. So I'm glad it's back. Also, I liked all the fun references. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Wynn made a reference to Stargate and Star Trek. <laughs> and that made me happy. Um, apparently, they the, the scene, I guess they ad-libbed Kevin Smith. Uh, Kevin Smith's ad lib was the scene where they're running back towards the portal and Monel says, Start the car. <laughs> <laughs> and they, apparently they did one take where he did the line from Indiana Jones, Start the plane, Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm bummed that that didn't make it in there because that would have been hysterical to have an Indiana Jones reference. That would be cool. But yeah, it was fun. I, I'm mostly, I just missed the show. So. I was I was happy to have it back on Monday nights. Yeah, me too. Um, Morgan, what are your overall thoughts about Supergirl Lives? Yeah, I I I also really missed it. I was I was watching the episode, going like, ah, oh, Supergirl. Like I missed the show so much. It's so nice to have it back. And I think uh, Kevin Smith did such a did a really good job with the episode. I liked that we went. To- to a different place and I, I always like it when the show sort of mixes things up and, and takes the show in uh, like a, a direction it hasn't been in before and we haven't had them at a on a random outer space planet before so that was new uh, and and we had a good returning villain and and lots of uh, lots of good relationship drama between Alex and Maggie so I think that it was a really strong episode. Yeah, uh, same here. I thought it was a very strong episode. I, it was very enjoyable. I, I enjoyed pretty much everything that happened in the episode, even the Guardian stuff, even the convenient plot device of having a sun grenade. I was like, come on, <laughs> really? Come, but at least we know that's you know a technical possibility now if they ever need to get out of trouble and they find themselves in a situation where Kara doesn't have her powers, maybe they can give her a little boost. So, uh, so that in, in some ways it's a plot contrivance. In some ways I also think it's very creative and a, a good addition to the mythos. So I'm, I'm kind of mixed on that. But I thought it was really, uh, it had a mix of, interesting characters that we hadn't met before and some characters that have come back that I was really excited to see but I'm Carly I'm like you I I think I was just really glad that the show was back it was fun to hang out with these characters again and go on a little adventure with them and uh, I thought the episode was great 
All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what some of our listeners had to say about Supergirl Lives. At Chris Fundalinski says, glad Maggie knew Kara is Supergirl and Alex didn't deny. Great standout moment for Wynn. Supergirl's strength is awe-inspiring. At Kyle Lucas says, Sanvers killed me with all the smiles and happiness. I want to see more win in the field. It was great. And Snapper smiled. <laughs> no snapping, though. No snapping. <laughs> uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui says, Sanvers is too cute. Snapper is back. Win was awesome. And Kara and Monel still have no chemistry. Still a fine episode. Uh, at Katie Cat underscore Libby says, I'm so glad Maggie figured out Kara is Supergirl. Such good scenes from Sanvers, Wynn, and Snapper bring on next week. At TV Freak in a Box says, Snapper smiled and said, add a girl Danvers. The Sanvers scenes gave me anxiety, but I'm so glad that Maggie knows now. At Avenger at Heart says, Sanvers rocks. Manel is a dork. Unpopular opinion. I like him. <laughs> but his romantic storyline with Kara is still feeling contrived and forced. At Rantasma1 says, I really wanted to see the courtship phase of the Alex and Maggie relationship, unless taking down alien bad guys counts. <laughs> Maybe it counts. At, Maybe. Yeah, I think it counts a little bit. Uh, at Swarasali1 says, loved this episode. Kara is a true Gryffindor. Alex is amazing as usual. Wynn got to shine. And Guardian's an, anno- an annoying menace. <laughs> <laughs> favorite tweet. Don't, don't want to pick favorites, but that might be my favorite tweet. <laughs> and also, I would like to echo the Gryffindor aspect of it because I thought when we, when we talked about Gryffindors during our so- Sorting Hat episode, when we talked about how Gryffindors kind of jump into situations without maybe thinking about them all the way for first. Um, Kara definitely did that as Supergirl when she saw the opportunity to jump through that portal. She, I love the moment where she like stripped all of her clothes to get into her, you know, get, uh, reveal her Supergirl suit, which you don't see, which I think is great because she's just flinging all the clothes back at Monel. And she she jumps through that portal because she knows that's where Izzy is. So she doesn't care. She doesn't know where this portal is going to take her but she gets through it because she knows that's how she's going to go find this missing girl and she's got to do it so i was like that's that's what a gryffindor would do uh at miss lily 99 says roulette never gets old love to see her again hope to see the next director assignment of kevin smith and i don't know exactly when what episode he's doing but he is doing another episode of uh supergirl season two so we will see another episode from kevin smith uh, at Paradox Kid says, Wynn continues to be one of the best improvements of season two. Hope they use those really cool slash handy solar grenades in the future. <laughs> at Patty Mello 20 says, still don't like Guardian, but Wynn was awesome in this episode. Monel and Kara's relationship feels kind of forced to me. At Geek underscore Girl says, loved it. Warming to Monel because of the chemistry between actors but Melissa Benoist could make even a rice cake look charming. <laughs> <laughs> I want to call Monel a rice cake now. <laughs> I did. I did coin the term mansplaining. That's pretty uh, clever. last night. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know? I think that's pretty clever. <laughs> mansplaining. And now I want to call him a rice cake because he's flavorless and boring. <laughs> 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 Got to put some peanut butter on that. No, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I crack myself up. Uh, at Seal Stan says, Monel learns true leadership 
will return to lead surviving Daxamites at the end of season two. Kara so sad. Supergirl radio glad. (laughs) (laughs) At Immo Pengu says, new favorite alien, everyone. I like Brian, but I really like Joe. Do we do we have favorites? Would we pick one over the other? That's rough. Morgan's idea of the buddy comedy show. So you don't have to choose. Yeah, so we don't have to pick a favorite. We can just have them both at the same time. I feel like they do need to be in a scene together. That is, that's on my wish list. That's the dream. That yes. and Snapper Snapping. Ugh, could we just put that in like a big season two finale? I don't care what <laughs> I don't care what else happens, but as long as Joe and Brian are hanging out together at the unnamed alien bar, and maybe the alien bar should get a name in the season finale, and also Snapper should snap. I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be demanding. Be that would be nothing else should happen in the episode just those three things and i i would be over the moon it would be the best finale ever uh at madtown davidson says i thought that was a really strong episode i love when it's Kara's empathy and courage that save the day not her powers and we have a theory from at dr Ange 70 who also writes over at comic box commentary.blogspot.com so you should check out what he writes over there he writes a lot of supergirl reviews and everyone should go and check out his stuff but he sent us a message that said, quote, I have a theory about Monel. He is obviously the Daxum prince, but my guess is Daxum didn't explode when Krypton did. Instead, Monel was supposed to marry one of the black veiled aliens in some arranged marriage, and he got cold feet or rebelled. He grabbed a Kryptonian shuttle to just escape and, and he took off following Kara's flight. And now they are tracking him down. He's like the runaway groom. And that's perfect for his womanizing character. And he says, uh, that's my guess, and I'm sticking to it. So, uh, Ange, I like your theory. I think it could work, because we don't know who these black-veiled people are who, who keep showing up asking about Monel. So that would make sense, that if they have veils, maybe it's tied to some sort of marriage ceremony. And Monel's always talking about the girls he takes out. So I, it lines up to me. I don't know. What does everybody else think carly do you do you buy that because i know you think he's the daxon prince which i, I kind of think you're right but what do you think about the uh the possible situation with him running away from a marriage well and i've said it before we see monel getting in the shuttle the pod or whatever but it's really monel telling the story to everybody at the deo so we don't really know how reliable his story is so really, we it could be anything, and I don't have a theory. My own, the only theory is that he's the prince. I don't know. I don't know exactly how, like how the the creepy aliens are connected, but that's my theory. Is he's the prince, and somehow, and and the story that he told everybody at the DEO is probably not entirely truthful. Morgan, do you have any thoughts about this theory? I agree. I think he's the. Well, I go back and forth on whether or not he's the Daxon Prince because to me it seems obvious. <laughs> and so I'm wondering if there's going to be like a wrinkle to it, like if they're going to zig when we think they're going to zag on that. Like obviously the story that he told about it, what's going on with him is is BS. But I'm not sure if he's the Daxon Prince because it does seem like so obvious that he that he is that I think that maybe he's not. I don't know. I, I confuse myself. I go around in circles. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is a good theory. 
Yeah, I think I, I think I could buy it. I think we definitely need more information to find out about what's going on. But it, we have seen them crop back up, and we also saw another Dominator um, with uh, with this Slavers Moon group, and they seem to know Monel. They um, it looked like the Dominator bowed to him and said not to harm Monel. So I wondered if Monel had some experience with these Dominators, and I don't maybe maybe. Dominators and Daxum had some sort of thing. I don't know. So I, I'm very curious as to find out what, what's going on with Monel's past. Um, we also have an email from Derek who asks, who are those aliens? And I, I don't know exactly. There was a lot of aliens in the episode. <laughs> um, but I think maybe, uh, maybe Derek is asking about the aliens on Slaver's Moon, like the, the creepy doctor um, so I, I tried to look that up because I wasn't really sure either. I know we have the Dominators. We have these black-veiled people who we don't know who they are. We have uh, the uh, species of alien like Joe, um, which I don't know. I don't know if he um, was the same as the creepy doctor. It sort of maybe looked like they were the same alien race, but I'm not sure. It was kind of hard to tell. But I was trying to look it up, and so I got to um, a comicbook.com link, and they think that um, the Maldoria, which was referenced to, Maldoria was the other name for Slaver's Moon, and they think that Maldoria is a reference to the being in DC Comics lore called Maldor the Dark Lord who was a character who died uh, during Crisis on Infinite Earths. And so I looked up Maldor because I wasn't very familiar with him. But uh, so I got to Comic Vine. This is where I'm getting my information because <laughs> I, I had to go to a couple places. And Comic Vine says that Maldor had some fights with Superman and Power Girl. So uh, Maldor seems to be like a Superman mythos character. So that would make sense as to why he's been put possibly referenced into Supergirl. So um, maybe they were Maldalorians. Uh, I think that's the, the alien race that, um, that was kind of part of uh, Maldoria and Slaver's Moon. So if Derek, if that's who the, the alien race you're referring to, I think they were Maldalorians. We have another email from Connor who writes, tonight's episode was great. Would like to see more Dominators, please. And I think we'll probably see them again. I think that's that's probably a sure bet. I don't think we've seen the last of the Dominators. And our last email comes from Lauren, who writes, quote, I love this week's episode. It had a great mix of heart, humor, and heroics. Wen has been one of my favorite characters for a while, so it was great seeing him shine in this episode. I missed Lena Luther this week, but hopefully we'll get more of her soon. Monel has been annoying to me this season, but this episode he began to grow on me, unquote. And that's kind of what I'm hoping happens for Carly uh, <laughs> throughout season two. Maybe, maybe at some point down the road, she's going to be like, Monel, he's, he's a pretty cool dude. Um, but I'm not going to force that on you, Carly. You can think that's whatever. Earth 2, Carly. <laughs> Earth 2, Carly is like the biggest Monel fan ever she's like the president of the monel fan club she has a monel shrine in her bedroom and she um she has posters all up on her wall just of monel so i think i think earth to carly is like monel's biggest fan 
Well, I think that's going to do it for all of our listener feedback. So thanks, everybody, for writing in with your thoughts. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And you can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have become a literal Supergirl radio on Spotify, so go and check out our playlist over there. And we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash DC dash fans. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and rate or review. And we're a part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow iZombie, the DC films, and classic DC TV shows. Subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. I have to say, Morgan, it's seeming I'm crushing like, it now. It's seeming <laughs> like you're re- you're really nailing it now. Like I don't think you're sh- you're. Struggling. I feel like I've I've t- I've taken some breathing exercises. I'm like really refocused. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think you've started to master this. I'm ve- I'm very proud. I knew I'd get there someday. (laughs) Well, I think you've gotten there. And uh, you can personally follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm also on Instagram at TheDerbyKid, T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can uh, watch videos I've shot and edited on the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And I think I can maybe say that I'm a published contributor to a book of essays now. Um... I, I wrote a uh, an essay for uh, a, a collection of essays that my friend Ian Boucher, who we've had on Supergirl Radio before, uh, he put together a bunch of essays about superheroes and justice. And so I wrote uh, a little piece in there about some DC superheroes, Superman, Batman, Black Canary, and um, some real-life American heroes. And so I sort of mixed those together. And uh, if you'd like to check that out, if you want to purchase it, um, it's called Humans and Paragons, uh, Essays on Superhero Justice. You can uh, buy it on Amazon in paperback form or uh, through the uh, Amazon Kindle uh, variation. So uh, if you want to read it, I highly recommend you check it out. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Just, you know, in addition to what I wrote, there's a lot of great essays in there about all sorts of characters and comics. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. I, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm kind of, I'm, I don't think I'm a published author. I would, I would say I'm a contributor, but it's kind of neat to have like an actual book that's you know you wrote something because i'm not i don't think i'm that great of a writer but you know i wrote something and it's on amazon so that's pretty cool and you can find me on twitter at my name carly lane uh i'm currently writing over at nerdist.com and sci-fi wire uh nothing really in the pipeline right now but you can mostly catch me on twitter live tweeting star trek voyager and occasionally sharing uh, fandom-related tweets that blow up (laughs) and go viral and make me want to (laughs) hide. What was the final count on that Melissa Benoist tweet? Oh, oh my gosh. I want to say it was, like, at least 3,000 retweets and, like, four four to 5,000 likes. Oh, my gosh. Whoa, what tweet was this? Have I missed this tweet? 
Uh, the tweet about Melissa Benoist being at the Women's March on Washington. Oh, okay, okay. And I and she shared a picture to her Instagram. Um, so I screen capped the image and shared it to my Twitter feed, and it blew up. And to the point where I had to like lock my account down <laughs> for a little bit just to like let it calm down. Yeah. So final count was. Three uh two thousand nine hundred seventy two retweets and five thousand and nineteen likes and I it was very overwhelming. That's, that's the definition <laughs> of blowing up. I was like, uh, I think we need to go private for the weekend just to uh, <laughs> just to calm down a little bit. Oh <laughs> uh, wow, that's impressive. I'm impressed. It's it's less fun when it's happening to you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-S-T-I-C. And you can find some of my writing on Buddy TV. Um, and also, I'm one of the co-hosts of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which uh, we will still be recording on Thursday uh, and posting on Friday, even though for some reason the CW decided to move Legends of Tomorrow to Tuesday, which is our recording time on Supergirl Radio. So, like, CW uncool i mean don't they know to talk to me about my schedule before they make any moves with theirs that should just be a given check it's like Morgan's amateur schedule. hour yes <laughs> so what is it back to back with flash now yes i think okay. so yeah yeah because it used to be four nights a week i guess they changed it i know oh that's now right wait when's riverdale is oh thursday i was Maybe about to say why. Uh, there there has to be a DC TV show on every single night. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least a Berlanti show, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because Riverdale is going to premiere this week. That's right. Well, I don't know why there's not a River- Riverdale podcast in the DC TV Podcast Network. I don't know. I, I heard a rumor there oh, might be one. Well, we need to get on that. I'm <laughs> calling you out, Andy B. from the Flash Podcast. But add another one for Morgan to have to read. Oh, no. (laughs) I just got good at it. (laughs) All right. Well, if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we'll leave you with this completely useless advice. If you go looking for trouble. Trouble ye shall find. I can't believe we ended on a Monel quote. Garth. <laughs> Carly's really <laughs> suffering tonight. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's, I'm just kidding. Earth to Carly Earth is to, loving it. Earth to Earth Carly. Carly's like losing her, her crap. <laughs> <laughs> Supergirl ruined my life. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only Livewire. When I fry Supergirl from the inside out, you think she'll scream as she cooks? Will you scream? <laughs> she brings death and destruction. Supergirl, all new this Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called We Can Be Heroes. The official description reads, quote, After Livewire, guest star Britt Morgan seemingly breaks out of prison, Supergirl is intent on recapturing her. After training Monel, Supergirl takes him with her when she sees Livewire attack the NCPD. But things go awry when Monel puts Supergirl before the citizens of National City. Meanwhile, James decides to come clean with Kara, and McGann has a psychic attack and collapses into a coma. Oh no, McGann, that's not good. Um, Carly, uh, what is uh, going to be exciting for you in, in next week's episode? Uh, <laughs> I mean, are we surprised that Monel is going to put Supergirl first? Are we really? I, you know, I mean, he's he wants. I think he wants to be a superhero, but I don't know if he's really doing it for the right reasons. I think he's still kind of trying to do it to impress Kara, and sounds like he's going to make a decision next week that doesn't end well, or maybe puts other people in danger, especially, you know, and the thing I don't get is why would he put Supergirl first when she can, she can take care of herself. She's fine. She don't, she don't need help. <laughs> she don't need your help, Monel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be uh, interesting to see what happens and what that's all about. It sounds very ominous. Uh, Morgan, what is uh, uh, speaking to you about this description? I'm very excited about two things in this episode. One is that Livewire is back, and two is that it is directed by Rebecca Johnson. I know. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> I have gotten so many. Um, That's what I'm most... Those are the two things I'm most... I'm going to steal your answer, Morgan, because Livewire coming back is is amazing. I love Livewire. I love Britt Morgan's performance. Uh, she should be in every episode. All <laughs> episodes should be about Livewire, let's be honest. Um, so I think it's very fitting that Livewire is coming back in the episode directed by Rebecca Johnson. And um, <laughs> I can't tell you guys, I, I, I thought it was kind of funny when, uh, when I had heard about that there was a director named Rebecca Johnson. But so many people have contacted me like, oh, are you, are you secretly directing Supergirl and not telling anybody? I'm like, all right, let me just set the record straight for everybody listening. This is not me. I have a very <laughs> common name. As much as I would like to be talented enough to direct an episode of Supergirl, and if they uh, would like uh, to have a free production assistant, call me. I'll come up to Vancouver. I'll do it for free. I will carry cables. I will go get your coffee, whatever you need. Uh, But I don't think I'm, uh, I don't think I have enough skill to direct an episode. But uh, I'm excited to see what Rebecca Johnson does (laughs) with the episode. I'm sure she's going to crush it. I'm sure she's going to be awesome. So uh, I hope to say Rebecca Johnson a lot in next week's podcast, (laughs) Uh, not necessarily to introduce myself, but to brag about how uh, great of a job Rebecca Johnson did. (laughs) So um, I really want to have Rebecca Johnson on the podcast so that Rebecca Johnson can interview Rebecca Johnson. (laughs) Put it on on the wish list. Uh, I, I wonder if she has a Twitter account. 
I'm going to have to search for Rebecca Johnson's. If anybody associated <laughs> with the show is listening to this, send me Rebecca Johnson's Twitter account because I don't think I know it. I don't, I don't think I'm following her. That would be a little strange um, to, to, for me to follow another Rebecca Johnson. But I think we should put it down. It's, it's going on the wish list. Um, uh, the dream to have <laughs> to have that happen. Um, but yeah, no, this sounds like a great episode, and I'm glad to see that uh, McGann's coming back. Um, and uh, so there's there's a lot to look forward to in next week's episode. All right, well, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.